Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, on this third Sunday of Easter, we hear this magnificent reading from the Gospel of Luke. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they're meeting with the risen Jesus. It's captured the minds and hearts of poets and thinkers over the centuries, and it is one of the greatest stories ever told. It has all the elements you'd want in a great narrative. Watch how it begins. The beginning, by the way, of great stories is always worth attending to. Two disciples of Jesus that same day, the first day of the week, were making their way to a village named Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. How you're walking in the Gospel matters. All the momentum of the Gospel of Luke is toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of the cross, the city of the resurrection, the city of the sending of the Spirit. Everything is happening in Jerusalem because Jesus moves toward this Paschal mystery. So these two disciples are moving in precisely the wrong way. They're walking to a village seven miles away from Jerusalem. First point, we will not understand Jesus if we are walking the wrong way. That means that our whole way of life must be conformed to him if we are properly to see him. This story, you know, is all about seeing properly. It's all about getting Jesus. We won't get him unless our lives are conformed to him. We must be walking toward Jerusalem. But as they walk, discussing all these matters, Jesus comes and joins them. Wonderful spiritual point here. Even as we walk the wrong way, Jesus comes to join us. We do not have a God who stands aloof to our human experience and expects us to come crawling to him. Watch that in so many of the ancient religions of the world, the ancient mythologies. The gods are rather distant and demanding figures who need us to come crawling to them. Then there's this odd revelation, where we have a God who comes crawling to us. Standing with us sinners, being crucified between two sinners, and now seeking out these two men who are walking the wrong way. Jesus comes and joins them. Their eyes, it says, are prevented from recognizing him. Well, we find this in a lot of the gospel stories of the risen Christ, that it was hard to recognize him, that at first they didn't see him. Undoubtedly, there was something strange and surprising about the risen Christ. But I think there's more to it. This story, as I've said, is all about seeing him. It's all about getting him. Of course their eyes were prevented from seeing him because they're walking the wrong way. We're going to watch now as the story unfolds 
as they learn how to see him. Of course, there's that delicious irony. They say, we're discussing all these things, and Jesus says, well, what things? What things about Jesus of Nazareth are you discussing? Of course, it's Jesus himself, the only one who really understands what's going on, but is luring them now into vision. Well, they tell him all the relevant facts. They rehearse for him now all the things that had to do with Jesus. Well, he was a prophet, mighty in word and deed, and we were convinced that God was with him. More to it, our leaders conspired to do him in, and they crucified him. Even this very day, some women in our group announced that he's risen from the dead. They have seen all the data. They've taken in all the details, but they don't get it. This phenomenon I find really fascinating, and I think the Gospel writer does too. How do you get something? You know the experience of someone telling you a joke, and you've taken in all the elements of it. You've heard all the words, you've understood the characters, you've heard their language, and then you don't get it. You don't see why it's funny. Or let's say you're looking at a a picture and you take in all the elements of it, but you don't see the pattern that people want you to see. Or you're listening to a symphony and you're taking in all of the various elements, but you don't get the overall pattern. Notice, please, to get a pattern, whether it's a joke or it's it's a painting or a symphony, is not a matter of seeing more things. It's not as though those who get it see more things. It's seeing the pattern that connects all the elements. There's something very deeply mysterious about it. You know how sometimes you can't really explain a joke to someone. You just have to tell it again and hope that the pattern emerges. Sometimes you can't show someone, look, that's why this painting is so important. They have to see the pattern. And it comes from experience, time, attention. And sometimes it comes just sort of mysteriously. You know, when it dawns on you, oh, that's, that's why that joke is funny. This is what this story is about. These are Christians, followers of Jesus, who've seen it all and have not gotten it. Are we like them? Most of us in these Christian countries like the United States, we know the data about Jesus, don't we? We can rehearse all the details. We know how the story unfolds. But really to be a Christian is to get it, is to see how all of this coheres and begins to make sense. So what does Jesus say to them? How foolish you are. How foolish you are. You're not lacking in vision, but you are lacking in intelligence because you didn't get the pattern. And then what does he do? He begins to explain to them the whole of his life in terms of the Old Testament revelation. He says he refers to all those things in the scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, that refer to him. He takes the stories of creation, 
takes the stories of Exodus, the stories of sin and grace. He takes the words of the prophets. He takes the whole narrative of the people of Israel. And he tries to show how the great patterns of meaning apply to him. He lays the Old Testament on his life as an interpretive grid. It's as though he's putting glasses on them, which will now clarify for the first time what's at stake. And they begin to see. We know that from later in the story. Their hearts are burning within them. They're beginning to see how all of this coheres. Notice, too, how this part of the story corresponds to the first part of the liturgy. When we gather, most of us, by the way, walking in the wrong direction, most of us, but yet Jesus finds us. And then as the first part of the Mass unfolds, the scriptures are opened up to us. These great biblical patterns emerge and we begin to see. The first part of this story is the liturgy of the Word that we rehearse now every time we go to Mass. They're coming close to the village. Jesus appears to want to go on further. And they press him, please stay with us. So he stays. In they go. Jesus sits down and then does this characteristic thing. He takes bread and he breaks it. He gives it to them. And in that moment, they see. Were they beginning to see? Yes, through the scriptures. But then in this climactic moment, when Jesus breaks the bread, now they understand. They recognize him, and at that moment he disappears. Why did they recognize him? Because in the Eucharist, in the Eucharist, they see the great pattern. Jesus took bread, he broke it, he said, this is my body given for you. How do you understand Jesus? Everything he said, everything he did, leading up to the cross, how do you understand it? You understand it as a life broken open in love. And now the whole of his life becomes a pattern of meaning. All of it is Eucharistic in structure. And so in the breaking of the bread, their eyes are opened. The perfectly clarifying lenses are put before their eyes and they see him for who he is. Here's the liturgy of the Eucharist for us. We've heard the word, yes. The patterns have been applied. But now the great pattern. Now the great pattern of the Eucharist. And in that act, we understand him. How come he disappears? How come Jesus doesn't stay once they see him? The clue, I think, is in how they begin to move. The story commences with the two of them walking the wrong way. Once they see him, even though it's the middle of the night, a dangerous time to be traveling, even though they're far from Jerusalem, they set out and they head back in the right direction. Jesus appears to us so as to empower us for mission. He went to the holy city, yes, and there he suffered the cross. Now, now, 
those of us who see him, who understand him, we must get up, even in dangerous times, and we move now in the right direction back to Jerusalem. Having seen, now we walk. I say these words now just a few days after John Paul II, our beloved Pope, has passed away. This story was a pattern for John Paul II's life. He was the successor to Peter. Peter's job was to witness to the risen Jesus. You could say a thousand things about the Pope, the great things he said and did, and they all cohere around this central pattern. He was a proclaimer of Jesus risen from the dead. The words spoken by the Pope all over the world. He traveled to 130 countries, 104 separate trips out of Italy. The Pope using every means of communication possible. What he was doing was he was applying these patterns of the Bible that we might understand Jesus risen from the dead. And then, and then, all over the world, lifting up at the end of his life in those trembling hands, lifting up the Eucharist, that we might see, that we might see, just as Jesus made them to see. And then, of course, the third major theme for the Pope, mission, mission. Now that you've seen, you must go. Now that you've seen, you are sent. And he said that thousands of times all over the world. The young people of the world especially are the ones, I think, who got it. And like these two disciples, they all over the world have gotten up and they're marching toward Jerusalem. Use this story of Emmaus as a pattern for your own life and also a pattern to understand the great life and work of John Paul II. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.